coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And today, with fall camp underway this week, we are very excited to be talking some actual, real, nuts and bolts college football. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into all of the major position battles that will be decided over the course of the next couple weeks as Kirby Smart leads his team through fall camp. With all the news of postponements, medical developments, new schedules, we haven't had a chance, honestly, to talk much actual on-field football over the past couple of weeks, which, to be completely honest with you guys, that's been a little bit frustrating for us. You guys know us. Talking actual ball is our wheelhouse, so we are excited to finally be doing that once again. But first, we very quickly want to thank those of you who have rated and reviewed the podcast over the past couple of weeks. And a big shout out to GlassLooker1805 for taking the time a few weeks ago now to write a very nice review in addition to rating the podcast. With all the news we've had to cover over the past couple weeks, we just haven't had a chance to thank him for that. So a big thank you there to GlassLooker1805. And really, you guys in general have just been awesome helping us out, rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts over the summer. But if you enjoy the show, every single five-star rating, every single review helps. So keep those coming. We really, really do appreciate that. And also, just another quick reminder that next week is the last full week of the month. So we are opening up the mailbag once again with all the chaos, all the uncertainty swirling around us in the world of college athletics right now. We've already gotten a number of questions for this month's mailbag. But if you haven't sent us in anything yet, go ahead and send us any other questions you have on your mind and we will cover them next week. We'll get to every single one of those questions that are sent in. You can hit us up with those questions or those thoughts on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Or if it's easier for you, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. But all right, let's talk some football. Fall camp opened on Monday. The guys put on pads for the very first time since, I guess, January on Wednesday. And we know, guys, Kirby and his staff, they've done as good a job recruiting as anyone over the past four or five years. And all that talent breeds some serious competition on the practice field. As Kirby is apt to say, iron sharpens iron, right? So today on the show, we're going to preview that competition with a look at all of the major position battles that will be raging through the next several weeks as we get closer and closer to the 2020 season and some of them actually will probably make their way well into the season itself but we're gonna look at all those position battles and since there are so many new faces and a lot more wide open positions up for grabs on the Georgia offense this year we're gonna open things up on that side of the ball and and what the heck let's kick it off with the most important position on the field Kurt we were all very excited when we landed Jamie Newman as a grad transfer back in January Look at the depth chart. I think most of us assumed he was going to be the guy. But then Kirby kind of threw a curveball all of us with the transfer of redshirt sophomore JT Daniels from USC. And then things got even more interesting in June when Daniels' waiver for immediate eligibility was approved by the NCAA. So, Kurt, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but this is a position battle show, so we at least got to mention the quarterback. 
battle here. How do you see that battle playing out through fall camp? I'm just, I still believe Jamie Newman's going to be the guy. Um, as you've seen, JT Daniels truly isn't cleared yet, according to Kirby. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is true. Um, but any, just generally speaking, I still think that Newman's going to start the year as the guy. Yeah, and you're right. The, the clearance thing, that was kind of a shock when I heard Kirby mention that at his opening press conference on Monday. Because I know for a fact that JT Daniels was out there when we were doing voluntary workouts. He was out there with the team in 7-on-7 workouts, taking drops, throwing passes. He was definitely doing that. I know that for a fact. Now, does that mean he can, he's clear to take a hit? Maybe not. I think that might be what Kirby's referring to. It's kind of like, you know, just a, a, a degree of clearance, I guess. Yeah, because so we'll I mean, you can goes. see pictures of practice and Daniels is out there. But once again, like quarterbacks, it's easier for them to go out there and practice full speed and things because they don't always have to take the hits. Right. And if you're not, if, if it's like, like Dom Blaylock, who might not be cleared for contact, that's tougher for a receiver because you got to go out there and take some contact. But quarterbacks, we know you never take hits. At least you're not supposed to take hits in an actual practice setting. So I think he's still able to go out there and get his reps and do what he needs to do put himself in the thick of the competition. But I'm, I'm still with you here. We've talked about this a couple of times throughout the offseason. I still maintain that Jamie Newman is the odds-on favorite right now. I'm not going to give him the job. I think J.T. Daniels is a really talented quarterback, and I think that he is going to press Jamie Newman. But this is what Kirby always talks about. As we mentioned, iron sharpens iron. I think this is, that's probably the real reason Kirby brought J.T. Daniels in this year. Obviously, we need to have ourselves set up for 2021 as well. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think like a little bit of both. Like it was a perfect thing, like where Newman's getting pushed. You And then not only that, but the one thing I don't think is getting talked about enough is the value that Daniels is going to bring to the se- uh, second team offense and the fact that set- whoever loses that battle, I mean, more like you, know, you and I were talking about it, more likely going to be Daniels as the second string quarterback. But in that situation, you're all of a sudden really pressing that first team offense against a great quarterback. Absolutely. That's, that's another really, really good point there. And you know, obviously, if, if Jamie Newman somehow gets injured because he's been dealing with a foot injury and he's a guy that is mobile, his mobility is part of what makes him a special quarterback, you, you need a really good backup in place just in case something like that happens. And the bottom line is, when you have a chance to add a quarterback with a talent of the caliber of a JT Daniels, you absolutely do it. I've seen some people talk about, I've actually had some colleagues that talk to me about, hey man, like, I don't know if that was the right move to bring JT Daniels in here. It's just another from field situation. And, and, and I guess on some level, I get that, that some people in the fan base are just kind of gun shy after what went down with fields. And but from. I think that they're, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it's two completely different situations, but what do I know? You know, cause you have the guy coming off the injury, their separation. Um, I just think it's a completely different situation. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt about it. And I, I'm just, I'm still like, I don't think Kirby did anything wrong bringing in Justin Fields. You, your job is to bring in as much talent as you possibly can as head coach. That's a huge part of your job as the head coach in a major college program. So bringing in JT Daniels, a guy of that caliber, that is absolutely the right move. And who knows, maybe the plan isn't that he, that we expect him to win the job this year, but he might go out and do that. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly – when say Goffer Ben Newman is not used to taking the hits as you do in the SEC gets injured, all of a sudden you're not relying on a true freshman or you know nothing against him. Setson Bennett, Bennett is not going to win you a game, so you realistically have a safety valve with someone that like Kirby's never really had a history of using a running quarterback. So all of a sudden you feel a little bit safer knowing you have that. Yeah, it can allow you to maximize what you have 
with Jamie Newman, a guy whose mobility, as I said, is a big part of what he can do that makes him a different kind of guy. And if you don't have a guy that you feel comfortable with that can go out there and win games for you as a backup in case Newman gets hurt, then that's going to limit what you do with him in the ground game. And I think that's kind of taking his legs away from him like that to some degree is going to limit the value that he brings to the table. So I think that's it's big in a, in a lot of ways there. But yeah, as we said, I think this Corvette battle, it, it is a battle. I don't think that Newman has this locked up by any stretch of imagination, but I still think he's the odds-on favorite right now. I, I think his, his ability to push the ball down the field with incredible accuracy, second most accurate quarterback in the country with uh, passes of 20-plus yards last year, just find Joe Burrow. That really meshes well with what Todd Munkin has done throughout his career calling offenses that really want to push the ball vertically down the field. So I, I feel like that, along with his ability to run the football, is going to give him the edge. But I do think Daniels is, is going to battle. He's going to fight. And I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he wins the job. I just I, I still think Newman is, is the guy right now. We'll see how that plays out, though. All right, whoever wins up winning that quarterback battle is going to have to have some guys to throw to. And we all know the wide receiver position was one of our major issues offensively last season between injuries and experience and just lack of talent at times. We all know George Pickens is a beast. We know that. He's going to be that number one option at the X position. But outside of Pickens, I would argue that none of the returning wide receivers really separated themselves from the crowd last year. And the guy who came the closest to doing that, in my opinion, was probably Don Blaylock. He's working his way back from an ACL injury that he suffered very late in the season. He's clear to do some things, but he's not fully clear yet, as Kirby said on Monday. And then, of course, we have five talented freshmen who will be looking to jump into the fray right away. So, Kurt, who do you see as the real contenders for that Z and slot wide receiver positions? Uh, to me, I'm going to go of Kieran Jackson and um, Demetrius Robertson right now. You think those are the two front runners right now at that Z spot outside? Yeah, I mean, you you don't know what you're going to get with Tommy Bush or Matt Landers. I mean, those are tall guys who come out maybe, especially Tommy Bush who can make a push because he was injured last year and he may bring something to the table that we don't have, you know, that we're not seeing quite yet because we're not at practice every day. Um, so it's hard to say on that avenue. But realistically, going off what we have coming back, I, those, those are the two I would probably assume to start with um, George Pickens. Do you think – Especially that- with Blaylock not being fully cleared. Do you think those two guys are the most talented that we have right now or just the guys closest to being ready to contribute? Closest being the ready to contribute. Looks like Kiaris Jackson's put on some good weight. Um, he's looking pretty jacked. Um, so I think you have to take that into account. Um, Demetrius Robertson is definitely one of the more talented people that I can think can flourish in this offense. Kiaris Jackson, I, you know, it can go either way. I think he's a toss-up. And I think if anyone was more likely to be replaced between the two, it's Kiaris. I'm going to D-Rob for a second here. I, I truly think this is put up or shut up time for D-Rob. Obviously, it is. It's his, it's his fifth year uh, at the college level. It is now now or never for D-Rob. And you you mentioned that we, we all know that he's one of the more talented guys that we have. My question is, like, is he really, though? Because he certainly has not done that yet. He put up about 700 yards or so at Cal as a freshman, but he has not been that guy for us yet. So is he really that talented? Or is he a guy that was built up on recruiting hype and is just maybe not going to live up to the expectations? I think he is that talented. I just don't think we ran the right system. And we ask him to do things that I just don't think is what's best suited for him. And just in general, I don't know how well we used our receivers last year in route running and and just anything really of any time we used them. I think we grossly misused our receivers. And I think um, Demetri Robertson was a casualty of that. Like someone like with his speed, 
you should be able to let him just sit in zones and things like that, but he was never coached to do that by us. And D-Rob's really good at running the deep route, and yet we had a quarterback who can't throw a deep ball the last two years. Yeah, sure. And look, I, I will say I think D-Rob was potentially maybe a little overhyped and overrated coming out of high school. I'm not saying he should have been like a, a three-star guy, but w- was he a true five-star receiver coming out, yeah, out of high school? Probably not. He was ranked as he was, but I still think he was one of the more talented guys that um, the last couple of years just hasn't been used like he should have. Yeah, I think D-Rob coming out of high school was a really good athlete, really fast, maybe not a pure – uh, polished wide receiver at that point, which a lot of guys aren't. That's not necessarily a knock on him. I just don't think that maybe he was that true, like top 25 caliber type player coming to high school. A lot of people had him pegged at, but he is a talented guy. He's a good athlete. He's got really good speed. You're right. I, I we talked about this a lot last year, and I, I totally agree that, that we misuse our receivers. Once Cajun went down, we had Pickens was about the only guy that we had that could do a lot of things that our offense had been built on in the passing game. It was a lot of the back shoulder throws, those kind of things, vertical shots down the field. And you're right, we didn't have a quarterback that was consistently hitting the deep balls down the field. So I do think I mean, there are times where De- uh, I always go back to the Florida game where, um, you know, we run in one of the first series, D-Rob's open for a deep ball and Jake just throws a, a duck. Yeah, those yeah, those things happen. Those things definitely happen. And like our pass game in general, like going back and watching all those games again throughout this this off season, I have to admit, man, there are times that I'm sitting there looking at the route combinations that we're doing, and I have no idea what the structure of our offense was in the passing game at times. I really like have receivers within like two yards of each other, like things that just aren't supposed to happen offensively. So I certainly don't think the offensive coordinator did him any favor, did any of the receivers any favor. So, but yeah, I, I think D-Rob is a guy that can make plays for us. I really do. If you use him correctly, with that speed and you think about, again, talking about meshing with Todd Munkin's propensity to try to push the ball down the field in the passing game along with the quarterback that can hit the, the deep ball with a lot of accuracy, I think this might be the year that D-Rob finally steps up and, and gets closer to achieving that, that potential that we all think that this guy has. And like I said, it's now or never for D-Rob. So I, I'm with you. I think to open the season, I I would probably handicap him as the guy out there at that Z spot. Kiaris Jackson is a guy that I would say right now, based off what I've seen to this point from him, and even in high school as well, I think Kiaris is a really, really solid player. There's all the little things that you want him to do. Runs good, solid routes, has good hands, great blocker out there, plays with some physicality. But my question about Kiaris right now is, is he a playmaker at that position? And I don't know the if the answer is yes, is yes at this point. Because we haven't seen – I'm not saying he can't do it. We just haven't seen him be that guy yet. Now, there was a play against Auburn last year that should have been – that was a touchdown initially. We kind of was falling away at the corner of the end zone. Is able to get a – we thought he got a foot down, but they end up reviewing it, and it's not a touchdown. That shows you some of the things that he is – that maybe he does have the p- potential to do. We just haven't seen him do that consistently. So, I'm – I still I need to see it from Kiaris right now. You mentioned Tommy Bush's guy who was battling a sports hernia last year. He's a guy that has the tools, man. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. Can he go out there and put it all together if he can stay healthy? I think he's certainly a name to watch there. Uh, what about the freshman curve? All the freshmen that are coming in, do you see any of those guys pushing for early playing time? Um, I definitely think they're going to push because it's not like, especially some of these other guys that needed the lockdown positions, had the chance to without spring ball. Um, I think that's even hurt some of those guys. Yes, they've gotten to work out with the quarterbacks, but I think the fact that they haven't um, truly gotten to go up there and them th- themselves uh, take part in some of what Todd Munkin does has definitely hurt the uh, older guys that were trying to solidify themselves. Um, so I think it has left a door open for the young guys in that situation. I mean, I think you got to look at um, 
Marcus Rosemi and Jermaine Burton as the two biggest guys that this is that you know the the no string practice is going to help them the most. Yeah, those are the two that I have that I'm that I'm watching very closely during this preseason, trying to read everything I can about them and trying to pump some of the people that I know a little bit around the program for information as much as I possibly can. And I've heard really good things about Jermaine Burton past couple weeks. I really have. I heard I've also heard good things about Tommy Bush as well. I think that those guys are going to push because you're right. Like like we said, other than Pickens, no one, even D Rob, like he he has a reputation coming out of high school, but none of them have really established themselves outside of George Pickens. So I think there's room for some of these freshmen if they can come in and make some plays consistently to to find some early playing time. Now start right away. I don't know about that. Even George Pickens didn't start right away last year. Now this is a different offense, so different coordinator. So it's certainly possible this year, but I'm with you. I think D Rob or Kier is probably the odds on favorite right now to start that Z position. I don't know if that will last all year because I think a guy like Jermaine Burton, especially with all things I'm hearing about him right now and just watching what he was able to do at the high school level and how polished he is. And he's just a total package right now. He really is. And he's a guy that I think before it's all said and done, could really kind of take over that Z spot. But right now, I'm with you. I probably put D. Rob Kiaris there in the slot. Here's a name to watch that we haven't mentioned: Lad McConkey, one of the the last recruits that we took in this class. He's a prototypical slot receiver. I'm not saying he's the most talented guy that we've got on the roster, but with with Dominic Blaylock still battling back from the ACL injury, who knows if when he's going to be fully cleared and if he is, if he does get that clearance, how healthy is he actually going to be? How much of himself is he going to be? I think McConkey is a guy to really watch in that slot position. He's a guy that has really great short area quickness, can really, really run some of those option routes, the RPOs, all those kind of things. So just kind of keep his name in the back of your mind as well as we're going through fall camp here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, next up, let's take a look at the offensive line. You know, we're, we're in a kind of a different situation this year. After a couple of years of, of pre-solid stability on that offensive line, things are going to look pretty different up front this season. We've got a new offensive line coach, Matt Luke, who's having to replace four starters off of last year's unit. But saying that, despite what our rivals and really at this point, kind of just the general college ball media would have you believe, all is not lost on the offensive line, at least it's not as far as I'm concerned. We have multiple players with starting experience returning, and we have recruited as well as anyone in America at that position. So I'm really not worried. The talent is there. It's, to me, it's just a matter of which guys emerge and win those battles. I think center, Kurt, is the only position on the line with a firmly established returning starter. So are you ready to just give that job to Trey Hill once again? Yeah, I am. I mean, as much as I had problems with him last year, I think he did improve. Um, Clay Webb's definitely going to push him and is a heck of a guy to have as your backup. Um, but I don't think I don't see anyone supplanting him quite yet. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, Trey Hill had his issues at times last year. We got to remember he's also a first year starter. I fully, from my understanding, he's gotten his body. And he didn't even play center in high school, so he's still slowly, still trying to get a hold of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not worried about Trey. I think he's going to have a, a much better year this year. And at right guard, Ben Cleveland is back as a fifth-year senior. Hard to believe that's the case, but it, it is. Uh, he took over the starter as the starter at that position, if you guys remember, late in the 2017 season. Held on to it through game three, I believe it was. It was the Missouri game. I think it was game three of the 2018 season when he went down with a broken leg that kept him out pretty much all uh, the rest of that season. 
He rotated at, at right guard last year with Cade Mays, but Mays is gone. So with that being the case, I think Cleveland's probably the odds-on favorite at right guard, at left guard. Justin Schaefer seems to be the one that's going to get the first look at that position. He does have some starting experience. He was actually, if you guys remember, the first guy off the bench against Notre Dame when Kenley went down in that game. But, Kurt, even if those guys probably are going to get the first looks at those spots in all likelihood, how strong of a hold do you see them having on those positions? I think if anyone has a stronger hold between those two, it's definitely Ben Cleveland. Yeah, you've had some issues with Schaefer in the past. Do you think he's going to hold on to that spot? He may hold on. I mean, my, I don't. I mean, I think the guy can be good. I just don't like the leverage he plays with. Someone that's as big as he is, and he's not that tall, but yet he still somehow plays away, finds a way to play super high, and just gets whooped on the line. Really, he does at times. That is one thing he's got to work on. He's also got a really, he's a really wide set kind of body. You're right, not super tall, but a pretty wide body. There, which should be good. Can take up space. Make guys go around him a little bit, but. Yeah, look, I think Schaefer I, – honestly, I think Cleveland and Schaefer will probably start the season as the stars at left and right guard. The guy that I would really watch out for here is Warren Erickson. He got the start at right guard in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. I thought he played really well. Going back and watching that game again and really watching him closely, getting ready for this show, just because I, I think he's a guy that can really, really contend. And here's another thing I'm going to throw out there. I, this is totally me kind of probably reading way too much into things. But as a guy who watches every single press conference that Kirby does and all the interviews, all that kind of thing with all the players, typically speaking, we don't, our coaching staff does not put guys out there for interviews unless either they're entrenched starters or guys that are like firmly in the battle, the thick of things for serious playing time. They usually don't put backups, like reserve guys out there for interview. There, there have been occasions where it's happened, but it's pretty rare. And Warren Erickson was one of the guys early in the week that was out there giving interviews to the beat writer. So again, I might be reading way too far into things there. And, but if you if you take that, along with what I saw from him in the Sugar Bowl last year, I think this is a guy that's really going to push for playing time at either right or left guard. I'm not saying, I'm not ready to say he's going to win one of those jobs yet because there's a lot of guys, especially Cleveland, have a lot more experience than him right now. But I think he's going to be in the thick of, those, of that battle for sure. What about Clay Webb? I know he's working at center. Do you see him working at guard at all, Kirk? Maybe. I, I think it's more between Justin Schaefer um, and Warren Erickson and Ben Cleveland than, than anyone at that Those position. Three, I'm really watching that guard, honestly. I'm with you there. Now, at left tackle, all indications are that Jamari Salyer is kind of situated to fill right in for the departing Andrew Thomas. He played he played tackle in the, uh, in the Sugar Bowl. I thought he played very well. Like Erickson, I thought he played very well in that start. So, Kurt, how confident are you that Salyer is going to ultimately end up being that guy at left tackle? So, anyone really going to push him? Um, I'm really, I'm really confident in Salyer this year taking that step. Um, you know, he's lost some weight, tried to trim down, really um, has taken a role in trying to be that guy. And then at the same time, I don't know if there's anyone else really on that team on the team right now that I think could do it other than him. I think Broderick Jones has the ability, but he's as a true freshman. Yeah, but I think his tackle. injuries what's going to hold him yeah. back. And plus, even Andrew Thomas, as great as he was, did not play left tackle his freshman year. He played right tackle and then moved over to left tackle the following year. So, Broderick has the talent. Is right? Is, is the injury going to hold him back? And are you ready to put a guy, a true freshman out there at left tackle, as talented as he might be? That, that's There's still going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. When you have a championship contender like I think we do, I don't know if you want to risk that by putting a guy out there at left tackle that's never really played before. Maybe. Maybe if he's really good, we'll see. Um then that leaves us with the right tackle, Kurt, which I think is the most wide open of all the offensive line positions right now. Who 
as far as you're concerned, are the biggest contenders to earn that spot? I think you got to look at Xavier Trust, um, definitely. Um, and then um, you're here in Owen Condon or something could potentially be a guy to push. And then Warren McClendon. Those are the three I'm looking at for that. Yeah, I think McClendon, McClendon or Trust are going to get the first look. I, I would probably lean towards McClendon, from what I understand, is going to get the look there to open things up. But I, and, and he might be the guy that, that lands that job to open the season. But what about some of these young guys? Can we mention Broderick Jones? What about Tate Rattledge? Can they factor into the equation at right tackle? I think Tate Rattledge can because you've even heard, have heard Salier even bring him up. Um, as you know, making an impact. So it shows that he's gotten some people's attention. I was extraordinarily high on Tate Rattledge coming out of high school last year. I thought this guy was a five-star prospect. I think that was a great job by Luke locking him down. Absolutely. Because um, I think he can do a lot for us. And I think Rattledge could play left tackle. We're talking about guys that could potentially compete with Salyer. I just, I, I think he's, I think right now, Salyer's probably going to be in that guy at left tackle. I have a lot of confidence in him based off what I saw in small sample size, but what I saw from him last year and, and just what I know, what kind of athlete I know this guy is. Rattledge is a guy I think long term might fit at right tackle for us. Because I think after Salyer, you got Broderick Jones, maybe Mims, if we can land him, one of those guys. And, but Rattledge could play left tackle. I just think long term, his, his future might be at right tackle. I, and I've heard some good things about him. I was hearing really, really strong things about Roger Jones before the injury. He's back fully cleared. Now, he did miss some time in the weight room. And when they say fully clear, like, are you 100%, 100% yet? We don't know the answer to that. So yeah, you have We're to starting to learn that. fully cleared and stuff doesn't mean what we all think it means. Yeah, like being fully cleared, like to do everything, doesn't mean you're 100%. So you have to think he's going to be held back in summer. At least that injury is going to set him back a little bit. It doesn't mean he can't fight his way. Because I, I would say of all those guys vying for right tackle, I think Broderick Jones before the injury was the most talented guy. And he still is the most talented guy. He's just got to get back to 100%. Does that mean he's going to earn that job? I, I can't predict that right now. I would say by the time this season's all said and done, it would not surprise me at all if Broderick Jones ends up taking that job. I just don't with the injury setting him back a little bit. I don't know if it'll be uh, by the time the season opens. So I, I would still probably put my money on McClendon if I had to, but I don't. I think his hole in that spot is very tenuous right now. I think Rattledge is going to push. I think Xavier Trust is going to push. I think Roger Jones is going to push. But uh, McClendon seems – I've heard good things about him from, from some folks around the program. He's been in the system for a year now. I know it's a new uh, – it's an entirely new offense. I get that. But he's been getting college coaching, been in the weight room for a year or so now, two years now. So I feel like he's the guy that, that I would watch – to open things, probably win that job. We'll see how that plays out. We'll, we'll update that as we go. And finally, let's wrap up the offensive side of the ball with the running backs. I think the general assumption is that it's Zamir's White's turn to be that guy at running back, to be the feature back. And that may well be the case. It'll probably be the case. But I've mentioned a couple of times from the offseason that James Cook is a guy that I think we, we need to at least consider as a guy who might maybe there's a, I think there's a world where James Cook might actually be a better fit for Todd Mungan's offense. If we are indeed going to a more spread based up tempo attack that used to running back more extensively in the passing game. Now we don't know that for sure, but based on Mungan's past history, I think that's a fair assumption to make. And then of course there's Kenny McIntosh who impressed in a small sample size last year. we got four star recruits, Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards coming in. So Kurt, I think this is an interesting question. How do you see the running back pecking order shaking out by the time we wrap up fall camp? Um, I think it's still going to be Zeus, Cook, and then uh, McIntosh. Um, but I definitely believe there are some, um, 
the one person I think who's a dark horse to like make a push. I mean, of course, I think Cook will be the uh, should, you know, fits his offense very well. But I think McIntosh is a sneaky guy that can do something for us. Yeah, McIntosh is an interesting guy because he's he's not a, a burner running back, which I know a lot of people, that's what they love. They get seduced by speed of running back. And speed is great. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. But as I've said many times on the show, speed is down the list of running back qualities and traits that I look at. It's great to have. It's awesome. But it's a luxury in my opinion. I think that Kenny McIntosh has a lot of the other things I look at really, 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 really well. I think he's got outstanding short area quickness, which is really high up. All my running back traits. I think he's got really good vision. We, I know his small sample size last year, but in that small sample size, he flashed that. Uh, I saw him flash some solid hands as well. So I think he's a guy that can do a lot of things really well at that position uh, with maybe just a, a little bit, I would just say maybe average speed. But again, I'm okay with that. So I think he's a guy that could certainly factor in the plans. I really like Kendall Milton too. I really like Kendall Milton. I just don't know if. Uh, like to, for him to get playing time, he's just going to have to be head and shoulders above better than his other guys. And I just don't know if he's ready, if he's there yet. I mean, these other guys are really good too. I mean, we, we know what Zeus can be if he's back healthy. And look, if we have Zamir White back to being 100% Zamir White of old with the burst, with the acceleration, the quickness, then I think he's the guy. I just don't know if we have the guy. I, I'm hearing good things about him right now coming out of camp, but I, I still need to see that right now. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd probably handicap things with saying this is Zamir White's job to be the feature guy. But I'm really, I am. I, I'll say it again. I'm really intrigued by James Cook and, and I in this offense. And I think that he will, at the very least, have a bigger role than he has. Are you ready to say that, Kurt? That he's going to have more touches this time around than he has before? Oh, yeah. And not just only in the jet sweeps and stuff. Do you see it being like um, a, a scenario where splitting you're splitting carries like – Maybe a Sony and Nick, or is it? Is there a little bit more of a gap there? Maybe it's more like Swift Harrion kind of split. Um, I think you could see a Sony and Nick split because of James Cook's versatility, where he can be your third down back. And I yeah. even think there's situations. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw two running backs out there because Cook could do so many things. You could then all of a sudden split him out and then have a linebacker on him. Like he gives you the ability to. I think he's going to find a way and that Monkin will find a way to have him on the field to where they are splitting in a similar to Nick and Sony. Yeah, and one thing I have said this before about Todd Monkin, I'll say it again. If you go back, look at his past, the one thing that stands out more than anything to me is that he's a guy that has an outstanding job throughout his career calling plays, number one, of identifying his playmakers, and number two, finding ways to feature those playmakers. I think James – Like, I could see – I, I see Cook fitting into that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire role. Um, Absolutely. How he, and it's going to be hard to get him off the field if that's the case. And that's that's why I say like I just, I just think there's a world where he might be a better fit for this offense that we're transitioning to. And I can't say that with a lot of confidence because I don't exactly know what the offense is going to look like. I know what Munkin has done in the past, but he's had some time to work on some things. Is he going to try to blend what he's done in the past with what we've done in the past? Like there's no telling exactly what it's going to look like. So I can't say with complete confidence. But if you look at what Munkin has done in the past. Cook might actually be end up being a better fit. Doesn't mean he's necessarily a better back, but he might be a better fit for some of the things that Munkin wants us to do. But if Zeus is back to 100% and he's the old Zeus, he's probably going to be that guy, the feature guy. Especially because Zeus in the high school, people don't really talk about it, but Zeus did a lot out of the backfield in yeah. high school. That's actually he how he got hurt, I believe, was on a pass. God, um, man, So I still shame. think that he could be like a – he could. I mean, he's not as athletic as Cook. But even in his own way, he could, you know, possibly fit into the Clyde Edward Hilaire role. Sure. Yeah. 
yeah, more than what we saw from him last year, for sure, if he's back to being 100%. Uh, so very interesting to watch how that plays out. I think Cook's going to get a lot of touches, and I, I could see a, a nice solid split between him and Zamir White for the most part there. All right, moving over to the other side of the ball, things are a good bit more settled defensively, but there's still a couple position battles to watch closely through fall camp. And let's start with the outside linebacker position, Kerr. I'm going to start here because we are just absolutely loaded at this position. It might be the deepest, most talented position on the entire roster right now. It really might be. But the thing is, outside of third down passing situations, when we bring in our various dime packages, the different looks we have on third down, we rarely use more than one of these outside linebackers at a time. We just aren't in our base defense with two outside linebackers very often anymore with how you know teams have transitioned to more three and four wide receiver sets. That's kind of become the norm. So that means our nickel package has kind of become more, really more than anything, it's our base defense with one outside linebacker more often than not. And last year, it was Aziz Ojalari who saw the majority of the playing time at that position on standard downs. But you got Nolan Smith, man. Let's not forget, a former number one overall recruit entering his second year in the system. Jermaine Johnson really came on towards the end of last year, entering his second year, uh, coming out of the JUCO ranks. So, Kerr, if you look at it, Ojalari last year played in 53% of, the defense, of our defensive snaps. Nolan playing 32% of the snaps, Jermaine Johnson 24%, Adam Aronson 11%, Walter Grant 16%. Although Walter Grant's time really dropped the last six games. He was only playing 11% of the snaps over the last six games of the year last year. So, Kurt, how do you see the playing time at outside linebacker playing out this year? Um, I think you're really only going to see uh, three guys. Um, I mean, you'll see everyone else, but it's going to be hard to keep Aziz off the field, uh, Nolan off the field, and um, – Jermaine Johnson. I mean, I actually think Jermaine Johnson and Nolan are the two most talented, especially now that they have the more experience. That was the big thing that separated Aziz last year um, was just the experience of being in the system and everything. But that experience is no longer there. And the other two are definitely way more athletic than Aziz. Yeah, Aziz, I think, is the is the based off what we saw last year. Now, things have changed this year. I think he was the he was the total package, more of the total package than the other two last year in terms of his athleticism, his his ability, his power and ability to play the run, his pass rush ability. Nolan was a great pass rusher and played the run well, but he was a, he wasn't quite as big last year. Jermaine Johnson was kind of finding his way last year. He was a little, I won't say undersized, but a little thin last year, honestly, at times. I but thought he, he was just a little confused at times. Was he was big year last year. And have you seen the picture? I think I guess it was at Dan Lanning's house, and they're having the outside linebackers over for dinner. You know, the coaches do that from time to time. Did you see the picture of Jermaine Johnson? Yeah, he looks like a just a grown ass man. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that, go look up Dan Lanning's Twitter account and find that picture. You'll you'll see who I'm talking about. Even if you don't know what his face looks like, just look for the big the biggest ripped dude out there. I mean, Jermaine Johnson looks like he has added some serious weight. And, and I mean, you'd almost think he's a de- he's all, you know, I mean, when you look at the picture, you think this guy's a defensive end. There's no way yeah. he's a linebacker. I mean, he moves well, man. I'm, I mean, God, Jesus, man. He is really, really bulked up and hit the weights hard this offseason. So I think he's going to find some more playing time this year. But then the question is, how, how do you take time away from Aziz? And, and Nolan? Can, well, I think Aziz is going to be the one he's not going to see the 53% next year. I would say I would put the I would put it more about 35% of, of the snaps for Nolan and Jermaine Johnson probably and bring Aziz back down to maybe the 45-ish percent. Uh, I think Adam Anderson is going to have a role on third downs because he's just a, a, such a great athlete. We do, we, use a, we do a really good job of using him to mirror the quarterback, what a lot of people will call spy, but we, we call it mirror basically. 
Uh, so I think he's going to have a role, but I don't see Anderson going much above like 10, 15%. I mean, that's that's kind of his role right now. Not unless he's, he's put on an incredible amount of weight. No. Yeah. And I think Walter Graham, I know he only played 16% of the snaps last year, but I mean, I see that number going down this year, honestly. I would say he'll be lucky to get 15, 10, 15% this year. And I mean, yeah, over the last six games, last half of the year last year, essentially, he was at just barely over 10% of the snaps because he's really comes like he comes in with our base defense, essentially. And we just don't really do that very often. We're just not. So yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Like I'm, like, we have so much talent here. I'm just very excited to see like who rises to the top here. Does Aziz hold on? Does Nolan jump up uh, in year two when things start to click a little bit more? Jermaine's gotten huge. Is he gonna make a jump this year in year two? Uh, I cannot. I, I really. It's hard to handicap right now because they're all so talented. We didn't even mention MJ Sherman, who I think is also gonna be a really good player for us. I just don't know where he finds playing time this year as a true freshman. So it'll be really interesting to watch how that plays out. But I think Aziz's playing time will be dropped just ever so slightly, and you see Nolan Jermaine get a few more snaps than they did last year. But let's move to the second level and talk about the inside linebackers. Monty Rice is the known quantity here. He played 62% of our defensive snaps last year. But Tay Crowder is gone, which means that other inside linebacker position, that starting spot is wide open. And look, we're almost certainly going to see some sort of rotation as we have really since Kirby got here at that position. So, Kurt, who do you see winning the other starting inside linebacker spot, and how is that rotation going to play out? I think Nickelby's going to win it outright, but him and Quay are going to rotate a lot because just like Quay brings so much in the pass-rushing situations that Nickelby – Nickelby can probably cover better in coverage, but I don't think – I, I uh, Quay does more in the blitzing packages. Yeah, Quay's a better pass rusher. He is. I mean, that's, Quay, that's what Quay did in high school. Look, I've been a, you guys know I've been a big Quay Walker advocate since the guy got here. It took him a while to learn how to how to how to play that position because he didn't exactly really play a true inside linebacker in high school. But he started to figure it out last year. He played 23% of our snaps defensively last year. Nicobe Dean played 26%. Nicobe was more of a fixture on third down early in the year. He was he was basically our, our middle linebacker, inside linebacker on third downs. And I think you 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 characterize that perfectly. I think Nicobe is a better cover guy. Then Quay Walker is, and he's a little quicker, but Quay is a is that's a not a direct stop the run, but definitely when it comes to third down situations. Yeah, absolutely. And Nicobe, I know he's a little undersized. I guess you could say that, but really, in, in when you look at the new age inside linebackers, Nicobe is not necessarily undersized. Maybe like, you're talking about old, if you're talking about like throwback old school. Alabama I mean, because he's similar to Roquan's build. Yeah, absolutely. And if you watch, he does a really good job like with his smaller size that allows him to really navigate traffic in the middle there, the thickness of all that, and really get to the ball carrier very quickly, he kind of gets lost there. I mean, those offensive linemen can sometimes lose a guy like that in, in all that traffic, all that mess. So I think Nicobe is absolutely a guy that can play in the middle and, and have, on standard downs have no issue whatsoever. He did it at times last year. So, yeah, I've been a big Quay Walker advocate, but Nicobe's a different dude. He's, he's also – by the way, I want to mention this about, about Nicobe Dean. He's a really studious dude, like a really, really smart guy. I think his calculus two, you know, like a, with an A in calculus two, which, by the way, guys, it's pretty freaking tough. He had a 4.0, was either the valedictorian or salutatorian of his high school. It's a really, really bright dude. And your inside linebackers need to be bright. Those are the leaders of your defense more often than not. Got really great leadership qualities. And I, here's another guy. I think, again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think it's potentially telling that our coaches had him go out for interviews with beat writers earlier this week. I think that tells you something. So I think the, I think I'm with you. I think as as high as I am on Quay Walker and his potential, I think Quay probably has a higher ceiling. I just think that Kobe is. I think I think Kobe's a little closer to his ceiling 
than Quay is right now. I think Quay's got some work to do, although he did improve tremendously last year. So I'm going to go Nicobe as the starter, but I'm going to go Quay certainly in that rotation. It would not be surprising to see them early on, especially rotating almost every series or so. That would not surprise me at all. Do you see anyone else, maybe uh, Tresman Marshall, Ryan Davis, working themselves in that rotation, Channing Tindall maybe? Not right now. I think that those guys are very separate. Uh, those three have fully separated themselves from each other. Yeah, I think those three have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. I would watch out for Channing Tindall, though, to try to work his way into that rotation to some degree. Uh, I, I don't see him getting as much playing time as Quager and Kobe, but I think he could be in the conversation. He's a guy, honestly, I was – I'm happy he did not transfer. He was a guy that I was concerned that might end up transferring, but he stuck around. And I think he's a really talented guy. It's just we got some, we got a really talented inside linebacking group right now. So I think there's a chance he finds himself in that rotation. I'm not sure about Tristan Marshall. Ryan Davis is injured right now again, so I'm not sure he's going to find his way into that rotation. Maybe next year, but I'm not really expecting that out of them right now. And finally, Let's wrap things up today with a look at the defensive backfield. We have three guys that started games at cornerback last year in Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, and DJ Daniel. We know Campbell was the starter to open the season, then dealt with a lingering toe injury that that really allowed DJ Daniel to show what he could do. I thought thought he performed very well once he got an opportunity. We also saw Tyreek Stevenson come on late last year at the star and money position, mainly the money position, but they're kind of alternating between those two spots. But he could factor into the cornerback position as well. I would not completely write him off there. So, Kurt, how do you see – let's start with the cornerbacks. How do you see the cornerback position, that battle playing out this year where there's really three guys, maybe Tyreek Stevens to find his way in that battle as well? Um, I think you're going to see Campbell starting and Eric Stokes. I think those would be the two starters. I think Campbell is a little bit more longer and athletic than DJ Daniels. So if they were healthy going at it this year, I would think Campbell would get the edge. But then again, the way we rotate, and the, I, I think it can go either way, but I definitely think those are going to be my two guys to start. Yeah, I think Stokes is the guy that, of the three, I feel most confident in saying that he's going to have one of those two spots. He's a Yeah, I think he's five. the one guy that's entrenched. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I don't know if I – yeah, maybe entrenched. I, I, I think he's going to have to keep fighting to keep that job because – I mean, Campbell can play can, can play boundary corner as well. I think DJ Daniel can play boundary corner as well. But, but Stokes is top five. I, I think last year, I don't know if he was as dominant as he was in 2018, but he's still a top five co- returning cornerback in the SEC, according to Pro Football Focus's grades. So take that for what it is. I, again, I, I don't know how much transparency there is and how they get to their grades, but that's what they put out there. And, and that kind of meshes with what you see. He's a really good player for us. I think Campbell is the guy with the highest ceiling of, all, of, of the three. And I think we were we were starting to see that out of him before the injury last year. Obviously, the injury frustrated him and set him back. But I'm extraordinarily high on Campbell. We know he's got that track speed, that, that, like you mentioned, the length. I mean, he's got the tools, man. Really, the issue with him as a true freshman, if you guys remember, was just the awareness, which is not necessarily uncommon with true freshmen. You know, that, that happens. And But I really, really was impressed with what I saw from him at G-Day. I know it was a very small sample size, and what I saw from him at the beginning of last season before the injury, he was playing more aggressively. He was playing faster. He just seemed like it had clicked for him. And if that's the case, especially with another year under his belt, I fully expect him to have a monster year and to take over one of those spots. Now, I think there's going to be a rotation of sorts. I think whether it's DJ Daniel or Tyson Gamble, whoever, whoever doesn't win the starting job, because the thing is only two of them can start. I think the other, they're, they're all going to play. Kind of like we saw a rotation towards the end of last year when Campbell came back from injury. But I would say right now I'm going to say Campbell and Stokes 
are going to start the season with DJ Daniel kind of nipping on their heels and rotating, really potentially at both spots. And we'll see what with Tyreek Stevenson. Let me ask you real quick, Kurt, is Mark Webb, mentioning Tyreek Stevenson here, is we, Devon Wilson is gone. So is Mark Webb going to be able to hold off Tyreek Stevenson at star this year? I don't think so. I think that Devon Wilson's transfer had more to do with the fact that I don't know if they can keep Tyreek off the field between the two of them. He came on so strong at the end of last year. I mean, I, I mean, I, here's the thing. It, it's, it's tough for me because Kirby loves Mark Webb. He's made that very clear. Mark Webb's a good leader, does things the right way, works hard. He's a good athlete and a good player in his own right. I think he's – no, let's not forget, guys. Mark Webb came in as a wide receiver, and he's gotten better every single year playing defensive back. So you got to think about that as well. I expect him to be even better this year. But Tyreek Stevenson was a dude last year when he got to play. Once he figured things out, I think Stevenson is, is better blitzing. I think he's better as a cover guy. I think Webb is better supporting against the run, getting in there in run support. I think that's where he really excels. And, and he just knows what to do. He doesn't really blow many assignments, which is really important to Kirby Smart. But if, if Stevenson can learn the, the, the position even more than he did last year and earn Kirby's trust – you're right. I think he's going to have a really hard time keeping Stevenson out of that spot as much as he might love Mark Webb. But look, even if Stevenson doesn't win that starting job at start. And I got to say, Ringo's injury guy. definitely helped the other two at the star position also. Sure. Absolutely. There's no doubt there at all. Absolutely. 100%. So Stevenson, if he's not the star, he's going to be the money coming in dying packages as well, which means he'll play plenty. But I think there's going to be a real battle there at that star position. But we'll, we'll, we'll be certainly watching that one very closely as – Spring continues to play out, but that's it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Man, it feels really good to talk some actual hardcore on the field football. And guys, unless there's some breaking news for us to cover, which certainly could happen with the way things have been going down the past couple weeks, this is the kind of content we're going to have for you guys each and every week leading up to what is hopefully going to be the 2020 fall college football season. So we're excited to be able to bring you guys all that content. And just a quick reminder, don't forget to send in any questions or thoughts you might have for next week's listener mailbag. You can hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA, or you can email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. And like always, we will answer every single question that is sent in. So send us anything you got. But thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.